This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. Everybody, uh, welcome to OBS Talk Show Presents. I'm Keith Williams, your host. Welcome so much uh, for being on the show today. And we have a great treat for you today. One of the most underrated African-American women is on here today with us. Her name is Sarissa Brown. Uh, how are you doing today, Sarissa? I'm fine. How are you, Keith? I am doing pretty well. Uh, it's so happy for you to be on this podcast today. Um, first of all, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm Sarissa Brown. I am a mental health and housing advocate. I, um, I've been a mental health advocate for over 21 years, and I'm a former, former um, mayoral candidate. And that is really what I do. It's, you know, I do, I do podcasts and um, I'm trying to build that up. And it's mainly around mental health and motivation. Um, the reason why I brought you on here is that, uh, of course, the topic is mental health. Um, based on your advocacy work, what is the state of mental health in this country, in America, in right. your and opinion? In my opinion, about just about everybody is burnt out and 
dealing with some sort of mental health issue. A lot of it has gotten worse since COVID. So that's put a lot of pressure and stress on just about everyone. And I'm just seeing a lot of, um, seeing a, I've actually witnessed a lot of suicide, you know, um, people actually committing or attempting suicide. Um, and it's, it seems to have risen since 2021. A lot of people, because a lot of folks aren't um, going back to work because they saw the accommodations that could be made in COVID, so they're not settling, but that's putting a lot of pressure on the people that are still working. So they're getting very, very burnt out, you know, and it causes anger and frustration and anxiety. You brought a good point in about uh, COVID has affected uh, mental health, it certainly have. Uh, I remember during the lockdowns, you know, we had all our meetings, you know, on Zoom, you know, people was at home, they was working from home. And, you know, we were surrounded basically by family all day. And that could be kind of frustrating, you know, as well, you know, seeing the same people every day. And the only chance that we get to interact with other people is that we're on, you know, virtually. And humanly speaking, you know, we long to be with other people. We long to see their faces. Uh, we long for that personal interaction. And so during that two years or so that we was, you know, locked up, that was something, or lockdown rather, that was something that we have, uh, you know, been missing. Mm -hmm. And so we've been missing and that kind of, uh, you know, affects some people. Another thing that I have saw too was when uh, companies was like, okay, we require you to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so they're requiring people to go back to work. And that, uh, you know, because people was used to working from home and now they had to go back to work. And it was like, oh, you know, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do about the kids, you know, what I'm going to do about this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, daycare is expensive and we're dealing with inflation. So it's a whole bunch of things that are coming out um, that's taking a mental uh, toll on people. Now, um, for purpose of this conversation, um, what are some of the things that you involve in as far as mental health is concerned? Um, peer counseling. Um, I'm in the process of starting a nonprofit, um, mainly for women, but it deals with a lot of concurrent issues, which is, you know, mental health and addiction. And um, I, I speak, I speak at, I've started getting speaking engagements and I've been doing a lot of writing, writing a couple of articles and stuff like that. Um, so what are some of the things that you uh, have encountered in terms of your work, what you do? Uh, it has been well received. So that is good. Um, my podcast just made 194 out of 200 on the list. Um, so that made me proud. It's not the highest, but, you know, to be a new podcaster, that was a great achievement for me. Um I do find that for myself personally, I have to tell myself it's okay to take a break because talking about mental health every day, posting about mental health every day, I sometimes see my own mental health decline. So I have to remind myself that breaks are okay. 
saying no is okay. And just, you know, self-care is, I need self-care. So also, and what I've learned is the advice that I give other people, I have to follow it myself. I'm guilty of not following it. I am. And so I've started following my own advice and I've, you know, I'm starting to see little changes in my life and my relationships. Um, when, um, so do you, do you uh, deal, so do you have interactions with other people who are dealing with mental health issues? Mm-hmm. I, um, I don't want to say names, but I have several family members that have mental health issues. Um, so I deal with that. Um, right now I'm going through one that's like quite a crisis and it is hard. It's really draining to separate myself from the issue because I want to control it. I want to make them better. I want, you know, all the things I want to do, but I can't, it, they have to want it for themselves. So I basically have to step back and watch and but be there when they hit rock bottom and be a support system. And it's the hardest thing ever. Um, as, as a mental health uh, advocate, what are some of the things that, you know, you have seen, you know, in other people? It was mm-hmm. like, wow, just so uh, this this is really crazy because we, we know in Alabama, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up, mental health in Alabama sucks. It really is. It sucks. Uh, you can't even, I don't even know what the Alabama Department of Mental Health is doing. You never you know, hear from them. Um, but I got people that I know in New York and their mental health department is on point. I mean, they're like the number one uh, mental health agency in the country, in, you know, in New York. And for example, those who are watching and listening, you know, if you want to be a peer support specialist or recovery specialist here in Alabama, it's difficult to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that a lot of people uh, need help. So exactly what we need to do to, you know, push that issue to the forefront. Well, first going, um, you know, back to the first part, I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of incidents, some that, you know, lighthearted, that'll make you laugh, I'm very serious. But getting to what you said, Alabama, and, you know, for no lack of a better word, our mental health care does suck. Um, it really does. I remember at one point when I had lost a job, so I lost insurance, I had to go to, um, it's a place that's owned by UAB for my mental health. They refused to give me some of the medicines that I've been on for years. They talked to everybody any kind of way. It was like they they felt that everybody was drug seekers, basically. They felt that like everybody was there seeking drugs. So they treated everyone there that way. It was no compassion. It was no patience. It was just like in and out, just in and out. And I I was miserable. I was so happy when I got a job and got a chance to leave leave there and so um it's not if you don't have private insurance from your employer you're paying for private insurance you can't you can't get get good mental health care and that's sad so you're saying that some of the uh people you know that you saw that was not compassionate and they basically treated you like a drug addict or something they treated everyone not just me they treated everyone (laughs) like a drug addict. Like for example, I have um, some autoimmune issues. Um, 
And my rheumatologist, he's ahead of things. So he put me on a medication that is also used for people who are suffering with addiction that makes them not want drugs. But in low doses, it helps flares for autoimmune. They saw that. They hadn't heard of that. So they were like, oh, you're addicted to opiates. And I'm like, no. They had to call him to find out that I wasn't and why he did it. And they were like, oh, he's ahead of the time. But you shouldn't do people like that. I mean, I, I mean, I don't understand why, I don't understand why people are being, you know, treated like that. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, you know, understand what are they there for? I mean, there's some good ones, don't get me wrong. There's some good ones, but I think that they, because it being UAB and, you know, the area, I think that they see all types of people. And so one bad apple spoils it for everyone. And I think that's what happens, but I don't, you know, I don't know for sure. Um. So how do we, you know, deal with this so that, you know, people who need mental health care will be able to get it? Um, what, what do we need to do? Advocate for yourself, advocate for your medical care, advocate for it, just advocate. Um, one thing that I learned is, you know, I don't know if you know this, but if you don't do what a doctor asks you to do and they say you're non-compliant, they can fire you as a patient. They send an official letter. They give you medicine to last you a certain number, length of time and enough time for you to go find another doctor. Well, what I do is I go in because this is a partnership. You are not like some doctors think they're not. You're not. This is a partnership. This is my care. I know what's wrong with my body. I know what's wrong with my mental health. And so we're going to work together. And so I don't allow it. You're not going to talk to me any kind of way. You're not going to talk down to me. We're going to discuss what this medicine is for, what it does, what interacts, I mean, you know, what it interacts with, side effects, different things like that. And just like they can fire me, I have written a letter before firing a doctor. It's like, I'm letting them know that like, I'm serious. And when my daughter was coming up, I taught her the same thing. And I promise you, they treat you much different when you treat them that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't really tell, you know, who's, uh, you know, on the good side or who's on the bad side, but overall, um, in Alabama, how would you say, uh, you know, mental health care in this state, what does it look like to you? We need to be doing, um, we need to be doing much better. Um, you know, a lot of the clinics close where people could go get help. Um, so we need more clinics and more places. You know, I'm big on the police. I, the police do not need to be handling mental health calls. They don't need to be touching them. Um, trained people that are trained need to, you know, go out to those calls if it's a, if it's safe. Um, it's, we just need better bills and legislation written to get us more places and get some laws in place because it's sad and too many people are dying, you know, taking their own lives right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the fact that. Uh the police have no business dealing with mental health calls. They're not trained 
to do that. They got enough to deal with, you know, already. They have no business, you know, trying to deal that. I heard horror stories, you know, about, you know, police officers all across the country that dealing with mental, you know, health causes in some way end up getting shot or killed. And or, you know, and or killed, you know, you know, always say, you know, thoughts and prayers, you know, we got to stop that. Yeah, I hate that stop with you know, I, I, you know, I am too, you know, if y'all saying that, leave that behind in 2022, please. I, I agree with you, Key. So uh, we need to do more to just start some prayers. It's time to use our voices. It is time to use our bodies. Because we have a lot of hurting people, you know, out there. And a good percentage of them are not getting their care, you know, that they need, either mostly because they don't have, you know, insurance. And then you have some um, uh, private practices that don't even accept, you know, insurance. They don't want to deal with the whole, you know, insurance thing. So they're, they're private paying. And people tend not to, you know, go to those type of clinics because, you know, you know they don't have insurance, you know, um, you know, they have insurance. So they prefer that they use you, you know, their insurance. So it's it's really, you know, kind of messed up the way that this situation, you know, is. And I really wish there was more people like yourself who are really, you know, pushing and advocating uh, for better mental, you know, health care. Now, what, so what are some of the activities have you done surrounding mental health? First, going back to just what you just said, I also think we should do away with sliding scales. Uh, People, I don't think people understand that people are suffering with poverty. There's a lot of poverty. People don't have it. You might think, oh, $5 is nothing, but to one person, that's a lot. That might what, be a pack of baloney for their family. So, you know, plot scales need to go. And also people, everybody seems to just care about themselves right now. And I get it, but if you have the capacity Listen to someone, you know, just listen. If they talk an hour, just let them talk an hour. You don't know whose life you can save by doing that. I mean, there is 988 that people can dial, which is great now. And they can, you know, they're they're wonderful. But just if more people would just listen and show love and, you know, it can make a world of difference to someone, just a world of difference. But some activities that I've, I'm involved in is I'm a, a member of NAMI, um, so um, I do a lot of, and I'm a part of the Birmingham chapter. So I do a lot of mental health stuff with them. And um, I do my own stuff. Like I told you, I do my podcast, um, and which is about mental health and motivation. And I, just, and I just share my testimony and stuff that has personally happened with me. Because a lot of times you think you're alone. You think I am the only one going through this crazy mess. And then if you start talking or somebody else starts talking, you realize you're not, you're not, somebody else has gone through something worse, something similar. You know, I don't want anybody to trauma bond or anything, but there's other people out there that, you know, have gone through it. And I love that a lot of, you know, people look up to the stars and famous people. So I love that a lot of them are speaking out about their mental health care and going to therapy nowadays. 
Um, I don't I don't know if you're aware of this, Sarissa, but I am actually a certified counselor practitioner. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually my fourth year, um, you know, into the certification. And I am thinking about doing a private practice, but um, it's a very competitive field, mm. you know, right now. And, um, you know, just putting yourself out there is kind of difficult. But yes, uh, I am a certified counseling practitioner. I've started, I'm starting school back next month for social work and I want to, you know, get my master's. And I, I want to go into private practice also. Well, I mean, you know, um, I, you know, I think collaboration is definitely, you know, in order, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that we build something, you know, better than, you know, than what we have. Um, because I, I guess we can both agree that a lot of people cannot afford mental health care rather than, you know, they can't afford health care, period. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody's treating this as a business. And so in other words, they are, you know, how can I make money? Right. Instead and of then, saying, how can I, you know, help that person? Right. And then also something else to think about is if you don't have insurance, right? And you you find a way to see a mental health um, practitioner, and they prescribe medication. The medication is so expensive, even with a discount card. It's so expensive that you probably can't afford it. So depending on what your diagnosis is, let's say bipolar, you can go into an episode by not having your medicine, and it's all just because you you wanna you wanna be better. You wanna not have an episode, but you couldn't get the medicine. You couldn't afford it. You know, and some people are very private. I have a lot of pride, and they're not gonna ask people for money for it. You know, which is probably something people will give you some money for, but they're not going to say anything and they're just going to suffer. So let's let's talk about the uh, stigmas that's associated, you know, with mental health. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen a lot of the memes on, you know, on social media. Some of them are like cr- quite cruel, mm-hmm. you know, indeed. Let's let's talk about that. The um, how can people get out of the stigma, you know, well, on mental health? Okay, well, um, since I mentioned bipolar earlier, people need to quit saying that people, like, you know how some people have just a short temper, and so they might, you know, be talking to you all chill, then all of a sudden, they're mad. But they don't have any mental health issues. That's just their personality. People need to quit saying, oh, son, so it's bipolar. She's so bipolar. No, she's not. <laughs> she, she's just me (laughs) or you know different things like as christians i'm a christian as a christian we need to quit telling people you don't have enough faith um god would have healed you by now yeah you know but god also created these doctors god also created medication you know this is here for a reason quit judging my um faith and then i've heard that people say that they're just crazy they're not just crazy. It's a chemical imbalance. You're not crazy. Nothing is wrong with you. It's just some, your brain is wired differently and that is okay. And so those are some of the ones, the main ones that really, really bother me. Um, what, what are some of the others have you ran across? Let me think some of the others. 
Well, I actually, one that I was scared of people with um, schizophrenia, you know, because, you know, you see all these movies and stuff. And um, so it sounded really scary. But I was talking to a friend and started researching. It's just the same as any other dis- disorder. If they get medication, they're, you know, they're okay. They just need their medication. They need to be medicated. They need their shot. They normally take shots that are long-term. So, you know, they're, you know, they're not quote-unquote crazy. They're you know, just people suffering with another mental ill, you know, mental illness. Um, people with BPD, you know, that is a personality disorder but they're lovable, you know, you just got to realize that that is their personality. You know, then, you know, they're also not crazy. They are worthy of love. You just have to be very patient and very kind and understanding. You have have, have a lot of empathy and a lot of patience dealing with people with um, BPD. Um, just, you know, I only, I just hear a lot of people call it crazy or some people take it on as something cute and quirky to be. They make themselves have diagnosis. Then um, I hear um, I hear a lot of people joke that they have PTSD. That's nothing to laugh at. That's a serious issue, also. So you know, yeah, that's uh, you know, being in the military. You know mm-hmm. that that's what uh, you know. I you know I'm dealing with, and a uh, perfect example of that is when. Um, you know, every year here, you know, in Birmingham, we have this, uh, you know, terrible uh, celebratory uh, gunfire going on around New Year's. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like I'm in a war zone and I'm, you know, in the bed, you know, under the covers, you know, shaking in my boots like, when is this going to end? Sorry, Keith. And I tell you, uh, uh, the date, the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and probably maybe a couple of days after New Year's, uh, you know, day, I didn't hardly get any sleep. Mm. Nothing but gunfire, you, you know, what's going on. And I kept having these flashbacks like, you know, getting ready to go to war, we going to the Persian Gulf, blah, 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 blah. And I was just hiding under my bed, you know, all day wouldn't come out. That's something that Birmingham needs to get together. Also, uh, you know, everybody knows that I was raised in Vestavia before I moved to Birmingham. And in Vestavia, it's illegal to do the gunfire and the fireworks. And they, you know, they're tough about that. I think it should be the same way in Birmingham. You know, I really do. Both of them. The only fireworks should come from Vulcan. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, things that are in, there are a lot of ordinances and laws, you know, in the books you know, here in Birmingham, they're just not being enforced, mm. you know, and I'm hearing these excuses, you know, we're, we're short, we're shorthanded. That's all I hear. We shorthanded. Right. Right. That's all I hear also. You know, but you got, you got people, you got pets, you know, they are dealing with this, you, you know, sort of thing and they are suffering in silence. Right. My cat was scared for like a week. Um, she just, her eyes got big and she, it took about a week for her to come back to herself. So I can imagine what a human was feeling. You know, that's terrible. Yeah, I, I just gave an example of, you know, you know, you know, what happened to me, you know. <laughs> right. Um, 
And so with all the stigmas and, you know, things like that, we we find that a lot of people are suffering silence, you know, and they don't want to come out and say, you know, you know, I have a disability because, you know, you know, when we do, we are judged harshly. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, we are treated like an outcast, you know, like we got a, you know, a disease or something, you know, you know, you know, I mean, they treat, you know, they treat people like they got AIDS and stuff. I don't want to touch that person, you know, because leprosy. I, you know, yeah, because I'm, I'm going to catch it or something. Y'all stop that, please. Mm hmm. And can I speak um, on children? Yeah. Okay. Um, something that I've been learning, I, you know, my daughter's grown now, but different things I've been learning and I would have done differently, such as if they're crying or they're agitated, they're not being bad. They're communicating to you that something is wrong. They're trying, they're not just crying for any reason. They're trying to tell you something, you know, and you know, basically, you know, we're like, stop all that crying. Stop. I don't want to hear that noise. Communicate with your children. When they tell you their feelings, like when I was little, I had a family member, an older family member, and I'll say, you hurt my feelings. She was like, you ain't got no feelings because I was a kid. They do have feelings. You know, just listen to your children. Communicate with your children. Love on them. Give them physical touch. You know, so much of that can make a big difference in their mental health, you know, they need you, you know, you're their protection and provider and they really, really need you. Yeah, have you heard this phrase before from your parents? You know, shut all that crying, I'm gonna give you something to cry for. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have heard the phrase. Unfortunately, I was never saying I need it to be, but I know different people have different views, but um, I was never spanked, <laughs> but one I have the, heard that many times. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned something about children because one of the things I put on social media and I got a lot of backlash. I saw that. Too, I said there's no such thing as a bad kid. I saw it and I agree. Well, I with really you. got, a lot, I really got a lot of, you know, backlash you know, from that, um, let me give an example of why I said that. Now, um, you know, I'm a substitute teacher, right? And so I, one of my assignments was an alternative school, you know, at Bessemer, and my class was nothing but boys, hmm. middle, you know, middle school boys. And so um, I kind of, you know, started a conversation you know, with them, and I started pouring life into them. And you know what one of the boys said? What? I never had anyone to talk to me like that. Hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, he was like, you know, teacher was like, you know, you bad. And they always speak darkness. They always speak negativity, you, you know, to me. And I was like, if they say that long enough, hmm. you know, then that child is going to say, you know, well, that's who I am. And I'm like, no, that's not who you are. I was like, you determine who you are. Don't let me or any other adult tell you that you can't. Mm -hmm. If it's in you, it's going to come out of you. Right. And so from that point on, you know, I said there is no such thing as bad children. Now, they may engage in bad behavior. Mm-hmm. 
but there's no such thing as a bad child. And you should have seen some of those comments. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. I saw the whole post. I, I commented and I agree with you. And, it, you know, I know that there are some wonderful parents, but, you know, um, so if it's not the parents, sometimes it's the environment, you know, you know, poverty or, you know, just the environment that they're going through, you know, right. maybe having to work to help mom, you know, make ends meet, things like that, that, you know, those things is a lot of pressure and stress for a child. So those circumstances can cause them to do whatever people consider bad. But I, I don't think there's bad you no know, kids either. And if they are what people are considering bad, I think they still there's still hope and it, they can be turned around. They don't need to go into the system or need to go into the jail or prisons. I think that it, I think they can be rehabilitated. Yeah, and, and so and that's one of the things that I mentioned in in several you know, classes, you know, as well, trying to give them, you know, the reality of what the state is trying to do, mm -hmm. you know, and lack of a better word, they're trying to lock up as many Black people as they possibly can. Yes, sir. Yep. You know, because they got this rule, or it's per se, it's, it's an unwritten rule, you know, it may be written, I don't know, that suggests that if your child does not read by the, by the on a third grade level, then there's a high probability that they're going to end up in prison. Mm -hmm, I've heard that. And I was like, okay, first of all, we got to stop speaking all this negative stuff on our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm going to say one more time, there is no such thing as a bad kid. It is definitely not a such thing as a bad person. Mm. We need to separate the behavior from the person. Exactly. You know, and again, you know, I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash, you, you know, on that, but I don't care. That's the truth. Wow. You know, and it's about time that we, we cut out this negativity, we cut out this stigma, because that's one of the reasons why people, you know, are not coming out and say, okay, I got a problem, I need help, or I'm dealing with a mental episode, I need help. That's why, because we too damn judgmental. Mm-hmm. I'll give Stop. you an, I'll give you an example. Um, as far as me at some point, you know, after 13, I started acting out. Oh, I just raised hell. And I was constantly told I was hard to love. And but being like what 14 through 17, hearing that phrase, I'm a kid still, even though I'm acting bad, I'm a kid. I didn't hear you're hard to love. I heard you're unworthy of love. Nobody's going to ever love you. It changed. It was just last year that I had to speak into myself and say, you are worthy of love. The people can love you. You know, that affected me all those years, you know, so something small that you say to um, your child can make, that can break them, especially if it's a child that is very sensitive to words. You can literally break them with the words that you say. You really, really, like you're saying, you need to watch what you speak over your kids and you need to watch the words you say. Be careful and think about what you say. And would you say that to yourself? You know, because I hear, uh, you know, uh, you know, parents saying, you know, you just like your mom or you just like your dad, you know, you're no good, you're this, you're that, you know, and they, 
they curse their kids out. They they say all kinds of foul, you know, things. And it comes to a point that that child look at himself or herself in the mirror and say, you know, well, this is who I am, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had young men and young women in these schools, and this is what they're telling me. I'm like, no, this is that's not who you are. Um, I'm gonna mention this story too. You know, uh, I used to have a learning disability. Mm. You know, and I used I used to act out too. And the number one thing that they do, they throw you in special ed. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know, just like you said, you know, you know, people tell me that I'm worthy of love. You know, I can't be loved. You know, I can't be dealt with. So they just throw you in special ed. You know, and I knew that I was a smart person. I knew this was not where I belong. And I fought it. Mm. You know, almost to the point that, you know, I acted out. I was Mm. seeking attention because I wasn't being challenged. That's funny because you're very bright. I I don't know why. And so I remember in my junior year in high school, I finally got out. You know, but they told me, okay, well, you got four years of high school to do in two years. Mm. You know, will you be able to graduate on time? You know, at first, I really didn't get a good scent on. You know, it was like there's some people out there just waiting for me to fail. You know, but guess what? I did it. Congratulations. You know, with the help of the Lord, I did it. You know, mind for you, though, while I was doing that in school, I worked a part-time job and I was a member of all these clubs. Mm. You know, as well, and still was able to do uh, those four years into two years. So by the time I graduated, we had about five, there was 500 students in my class. And I was in the top 2%. Top 2%. I know, that's impressive. That's impressive. And speaking of schools, you know, I wish that Birmingham City School System, you know, could get better. And the reason I say that is because parents like mine, you know, my my mom, they they move you over the mountain because, you know, those are supposed to be the better schools. But when I got, you know, over the mountain at Vesavia, first of all, I noticed that almost every Black child was held back. And so like they're they're extra old, but they're still in the school. And then every black child except for like five of us were in special ed, like you said. And they all didn't belong there. And so they were treated different. And so, no, and I just wish that that the school system in Birmingham was better because I would have loved to be in the black school around all black people. I got, my depression started actually when we moved from West End to, you know, at first I went to Homewood. To Homewood, that was culture shock. And I, you know, and they weren't nice to me. So that's when my depression started. When we moved to Vestavia, it was better. I found my, my best friend. She was a, you know, she was a black girl. Um, well, now a black lady. And there were other black people and they treated you like a family. And so they were more family oriented. So that's how I was able to make it. So we, I just, I just wish our school system was better. Well, uh, speaking of my experience, we're talking about the early nineties, um, you know, you know, when, you know, when that took place, uh, you know, that's where you really had teachers 
that really care. Mm-hmm. And they really stood by me. They fought me to get out, you know, of that place because that's not where I'm supposed to, you know, have been. I have no business being the special ed, but that's where they threw me because they considered me to be a bad kid, you know, and I was not a bad kid. I was not being challenged at all. Mm. And that carried a lot of mental anguish. You know, because you you know you're in the shell. You don't want to come out because you're afraid that people are going to mistreat you, judge you, and condemn you. Been okay. there, done, been there, done that. Still going through that. Still going through that. Um. Now, what is, what does all this have to do with mental health? You're asking me. Yeah. What does all oh. that have to do with mental health? Everything that we talked about has to do with mental health. Your day to every everything. Um, sorry, so, like, I mean, what does so what does that tell you? I mean, so what does that tell you about the overall state, you know, of mental health? It's terrible right now, but I'm hopeful. I think that it can be turned around. There's people like you and I who are working really hard to bring it to the forefront and make it known and bring it to the attention of our government. And I really, really think that it can be turned around. Um, you know, I do too. I, I definitely believe that it can be turned around. Uh, but I keep saying, you know, a lot that we need bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, we need numbers. You know, believing in the same thing and doing the same thing you know that's what we need right now right. Uh, we need more mental health advocates right and just like we you know we all participate in things like you know we've worked together in activism and organizing just like we those things that we you know that are so important like when you know they were trying to repeal Roe versus Wade and you know, when we had the rent moratorium and Black Lives Matter, all those things, I think that we should be out there marching and fighting for mental health also, getting rallies for that. That's just as important. That's people's lives, you know, and so that's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I totally, you know, agree with that and that we need to stay in contact with our you know, elected officials, especially those on the state level, you know, who supposedly, you know, have the power to, you know, change things, you know, overall, you know, statewide. So we have to be diligent and aggressive mm-hmm. and getting their attention. Because one of the things I found now, you know, with a lot of the uh, state legislators, they're not very knowledgeable. <laughs> They're not, they're not very knowledgeable. And some of them would admit it to your face. You know, I'm, you know, not very knowledgeable in certain areas. And so this would be an opportunity for organizers to mm-hmm. educate them. Right. You know, you know, it's happening. Organizations like Alabama to Rise, you know, is one of the most highly respected uh, advocacy organizations in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have provided numerous of uh, you know in, in, information 
you know, to our legislators and helping them, you know, make valuable, you know, decisions, you know, because again, they're not very knowledgeable. I've seen it for myself. They're not very knowledgeable. Then some of them are like dumb as a box of rock. <laughs> yes, I think you should just keep, you know, and I do it often, write letters to your senator, your congressperson, you know, your the mayor, the governor, just keep at them, stay on top of it. If you can get other people to join in, keep at it. I mean, we're allowed to call up to the White House. You normally just get a letter back. Thanks. Thanks for bringing this to our attention. But I mean, do what you yeah, you Yeah, you get that generic letter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everybody get the same letter. They just slap your name on it. You know, that's it. <laughs> exactly. But keep calling. <laughs> Yeah, keep calling, keep writing them, bug the hell out of them. That has been my method. When I want something, that's how I ended up, you know, in the mayoral run. It was over mental health, but because I kept calling the mayor and I kept calling the police department and the captain and the chief and all that, I'm going to bother you over and over and over again when it's something that's really important and it affects people, the people, the community. So just keep on, you know. And don't worry about them getting mad. Don't worry about them not taking your phone calls. Don't worry about them being annoyed or fussing at you or whatever. Just keep on because we pay them. They work for us. And I think so many times they forget that. They think that, you know, they that we're supposed to bow down to them. No, no, you work for us. You need to do your job. So um, do you think that's one of the main reasons why we get a lot of people burnt out because you know, I'm doing all this work, but I'm not getting any response. You know, nothing has really happened. Yeah. It's you like, know, same, same thing with, you know, I'm trying to get help. I know I got a problem. You know, you know, I know I got a mental illness, but who can I turn to, you know, for help without them, you know, bringing, you know, jumping down my throat? I think that is why a lot of people get burnt out. But we have to we have to remember that it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like I'm just thinking about Martin Luther King because you know his day is coming up Monday. He 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 didn't really get to see any of his stuff that he asked for. A lot of it, it's not perfect, but a lot of that stuff is happening now. Unfortunately, we might be old and gone, Keith, before it happens. But I have hope that it will happen and then our children or the young people will come and take over and keep keep the fight going like we're doing now. So I think that it can happen. I'm positive that there can be a change. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You know, I might not be able to see any of that, you know, in my lifetime because I'm headed towards the half century mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> so my time is winding down, but I'm going to do, you know, whatever I can while, you know, I have whatever health and strength, you know, that I have, I'm going to continue. One of the main things that we got to do, and I said it before, keep speaking life into these kids. Mm -hmm. Number one. Number two. Get out of, uh, you know, stop using these uh, 
mental health stigmas to keep people in bondage. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you're not getting help uh, for what to be going through, it's to me, it's like bondage. You are in bondage because you're not getting the help, you know, you know, that you need so that you can be who you have been designed. You know, to be, you got doctors who are, you know, doing this, you got, uh, you got therapists who are doing this, counselors, you know, who are doing, you know, doing this. And I know the reason why. Because mm-hmm. one of the things they treat it as a business. Exactly. So what happened is, you know, they treat uh, healthcare, they treat mental health as a business. You know, how I'm going to make a profit you know, offer this, and then they charge these outrageous fees. Next thing you know, you got a ten thousand dollar bill in the mail. You know, and uh, how am I pay this bill? You know, you know, I'm seeing you what every week or every month or what happened, but you just threw more mental anguish on me with this ten thousand dollar bill. You know, this ten thousand dollar bill. Or you, or you go to the hospital, the the spread today, then finally tell someone, and they lock you up, and you know for however long, what a week, two weeks, and then you got an even bigger bill. So yeah, you know, it is. It's a booming business. Mental health is a booming business, and so not many people want to do the work for free or just because they love it. We're rare. <laughs> very, you know, very rare but I, I want to ask you this how can we overcome this mental health stigma so that you know people realize you know okay I'm in this situation you know and I need help it's one of the things I always say I can't help you unless you have a problem you know but if people say okay well you know you're gonna judge me you're gonna condemn me if I tell you you know you have a problem that needs to be addressed first. Well, the first thing I say is if you, you realize that you have a problem, you think that something is wrong and you don't feel comfortable, comfortable sharing it with your friend or family or whoever you, you know, talk to call 988. Well, not call. You can text it too. text or call 988. Just talk to them. If you know you have the funds to go to see a counselor or psychiatrist or whatever, you know, do talk therapy, you know, talk it through. Those people are paid not to judge you. (laughs) So, you know, that's one way. If you have trusted um, family member and friends, talk to them, you know, talk to them and have them listen, you know, let them listen and let them be straight up. And then as far as, like I mentioned, you know, earlier in the episode, if you have people in your life who you know have mental health issues, but they don't want help, just you know, and they refuse to allow you to help, just sit back, be there for them when you know they hit rock bottom, but don't involve yourself too much because it's gonna mess you up. And then when they're you know they hit rock bottom or they come to it, might never happen though. But if it does, be there for them, help them find help, you know get them, you know, just be there, show them love. A lot of problems also with people with mental health, you know, I, you know, I have mental health issues. We do some stupid things and then we go through the shame and guilt and embarrassment afterwards. Don't, don't be too hard on them. Don't be so judgmental, just love and understand. 
you know, um, if you if you're able to, if they didn't take it too far with what they said or did, forgive. Just you have to be patient and research. When I first um, got diagnosed with my first diagnosis was depression when I was in middle school, and I would be very depressed, and my mother did not understand it. And I would tell her, oh, you know, just look it up, research. You know, we didn't have Google and stuff, but she never would. And then just recently, all these changes are happening recently. She finally researched it. She finally looked it up and she's like, oh, this is why she couldn't get out of bed. She wasn't lazy. This is why, you know, she didn't want to clean or do these things. You know, just like if your family member is going through these things and they tell you the diagnosis, learn about it so that you can be understanding and be there for them. Let's talk a little, we're getting at the top of the hour. We wanted to, uh, if you can, discuss a little bit about your podcast. Oh, um, my podcast is The Real Service of Brown. I named it that because um, when I was, when I started running for mayor, I felt like I was not myself anymore. You know, I, the things I said were real, but I felt like I had to be this perfect human and I'm not, I'm not a perfect human. I, I lost my sense of humor, my joy. I felt censored with the things I could say and I couldn't say. So when I started the podcast, I was like, I'm going to say what I want to say when I want to say it and how I feel. So that's how I got its name. I talk openly about mental health, mind, you know, uh, struggles and I give motivation, self-care tips, just, you know, try to uplift people. And um, so that's what it's all about. How long have you, uh, how long have this podcast been on the air? I started it October 1st. I've started really, really getting serious um, at the, you know, around December, beginning of the year. And, you know, um, and it's not for money or lights, you know, it's because I really, you know, love it. Some days I don't even want to record, but I know that it might touch one person. So I get on the mic. And I do it. YouTube, I don't do as much. I have one because I don't want to get on camera. But <laughs> I do stick to the podcast a lot. So um, you're new to podcasting. Yes, I'm new. I'm learning, though. I can, um, I can so, do my editing and everything. <laughs> so, I mean, how, how you, you, you like podcasting? I love it. I love it. I love to talk. <laughs> I love to talk. And it's a subject that I... I'm knowledgeable about it's the subject that I enjoy talking about so you know I love that and I do TikTok and on TikTok I get a lot of feedback a lot of feedback and people are like wow I needed that you said this right at the right time same thing on Facebook I got one that says Sarissa I really needed this and so like I said it touched one person and that's all if it just if it just touches one person that means a great deal to me because so many people are suffering right now Right, because in podcasting, people are more concerned about, you know, how do I build my audience? Uh, how can I increase uh, downloads? You know, how can I get people to, uh, you know, listen to me? You know, blah, 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 blah. And then you have a lot of podcasting scams. Mm. I saw you post um, about that's, that. That's another, uh, that's a future podcast that we're going to have. We're going to be talking about these podcasting scams. Um, so be sure to tune in, you know, for that uh, sometime this year, you know, where we will talk about that because there's a lot of people that claim, 
that they are a podcasting promoter and that they can help me get millions and millions of views. And so, we're gonna have a, so we're going to have a conversation about that. Okay. Um, but I've been in podcasting. This is my uh, 16th year. Oh, wow. You know, in podcasting. So I started when uh, the phenomenon was very new. I didn't know it's been around that long. Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, mostly it was, so you never heard anything like Zoom. So Zoom, so when I first started, Zoom didn't exist. So there, there were no Zoom, there were no, uh, I think YouTube was out, okay. you know, back then. So you had YouTube, but Zoom, you know, you didn't have Zoom, you didn't have all these, you didn't have Anchor, Spotify, and all that good stuff. You didn't have all that. So who were you podcasting to, like on the radio or something? So I, so I did have, at one particular time, I did have uh, a radio broadcast and then um, there was an early platform called Block Block Talk Radio. I remember which, that. Which still exists. They still exist. Mm -hmm. uh, that was one of the, so when I started, that was like one of the earliest podcasting platforms where, you know, basically you, you, you grab your phone mm -hmm. and you call the number and you have like a hosting ID. And whenever you have a guest on, you have that person to call, you know, there, there's a call in number and that person will call in and they can listen, you know, they can listen to the show. Wow. And so just like Zoom, you have the ability uh, to mute people. You know, you can control who speaks, who not speak. Uh, so blog talk radio was kind of like the early form of Zoom. Mm -hmm. You know, only difference is that uh, it was strictly audio, no video. Mm -hmm. And you basically call in, you know, to your show. Um, kind of like, for example, if, uh, you know, you're at a radio station and you're not exactly at the radio station, you can actually call into the station and do your, uh, and do your broadcast there. I've done that several times you know, as well, when I couldn't physically be at the studio, I can call in and they can hook me up uh, that. Okay. And um, so that's how I got into the world of podcasting. Well, we're gonna get ready to wrap this up. I really enjoyed you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Now, how will people be able to find you? Um, on all social media platforms under the real Sarissa Brown, and it's up on Twitter where it's um, the real Sarissa. Yeah. Oh, and guys, real quick, I have MLK Day of Service coming up Monday, January sixteenth, from two to four at the Birmingham Free Store. Bring donations and volunteer. <laughs> oh yeah i'm glad you mentioned that <laughs> um uh, on a serious note one thing that i do with every guest is that they have the last word so we're inviting you to have the last word what would you like to say to the audience love yourself and love others
short and to the point. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, show some love to Sarissa A. Brown, our guest today on Talk Show Presents. Thank you so much and keep doing what you do. Thank you, Keith. Um, I mentioned earlier that um, Sarissa Brown is one of the most underrated women, African-American women in in Birmingham, in Alabama. Um, and Sweet. she deserves her flowers. She has done, you know, excellent. And I'm very proud of you. Thank Keep you so much. Keep on pushing. I will. And if there's anything that I can do to help things along, you know how to find me. I sure do. And this platform, um, if you ever need a platform to do what you do, you're more than welcome to come back. Okay. I appreciate that. And we will come to a close here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Zoom. Thank you for those who um, on on Facebook. We definitely appreciate uh, um, your support of this podcast. And be sure to tune in next week. Um, we talk about topics that the mainstream media don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so we invite you to tune in. We we usually tape every Saturday at 2 p.m. Central Time, um, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, if you're on the East Coast. And we just talk about you know issues and we get the heart of issues that mainstream media, they either touch on it or they don't want to touch on it at all. Um, and you already know how I am. You know, people ask me, well, what do you do for a living? Get on people's nerves. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> I'm going to steal that. Hmm? I'm going to steal that. But that's what I literally do. I bug the hell out of people. And if you make enough noise, things can happen. Exactly. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to turn tune in next Saturday on Talk Show Presents. Until then, I'm Keith Williams, your host. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Bye, y'all.
Audio Jungle. The views expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is a presentation of OBS News, which is responsible for the guests and comments. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.